Hi there, this is Glenn Dawson. And this is Linda Dawson, and you're listening to Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. Our podcast is about those old songs we sang in church growing up, and their authors, and the events that led to the writing of those songs. This week, we are looking at the most marvelous aspect of our existence. We are looking at an event that transformed our future as a people. Sin caused our downcast for all eternity. Then our Lord came and made himself a substitute for our deserved punishment. What an amazing event. The God that spoke the existence of all creation that he made for us comes to our rescue from eternal damnation that we cause for ourselves with the ultimate sacrifice of himself. Years I spent in vanity and pride, curing not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died at Calvary. Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. By God's word, at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned, till my guilty soul implored turned to Calvary. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. This song identifies some of the blessings that mankind can enjoy because Christ was taken to Calvary and crucified there. The text was written by William Newell, who was born at Savannah near Ashland, Ohio, on May the 22nd, 1868. All who knew him considered him a humble man. However, that was not how his life began. As a teenager, William was troubled, an unruly son, which can be a problem for parents, especially since his dad was a pastor. In the early 1900s, president of Chicago's Moody Bible Institute, R.A. Torrey, received a letter from William's dad in Savannah, Ohio. The Ohio youngster, William Bill Newell, was causing himself and his family great mental anguish. Pastor Newell felt his son needed to be under the influence of daily scriptural teaching, along with the fellowship of young people whose attitudes were wholesome and honorable. In the letter to Tory, Newell asked if his son Bill might be enrolled into the Chicago school. Tory answered the pastor's letter telling him that the school was an institute where future missionaries and pastors were being trained, not a reform school. The pastor did not stop. He continued the successive letters to plead his son's case. Finally, after several weeks, Tory gave in. He contacted Newell, telling him that his son Bill could enter Moody Bible Institute but with certain stipulations and conditions. He was to faithfully attend classes, obey all the rules, and each day stop by Tory's office. Newell and Son agreed, and MBI had a new student. Tory later said, I never saw a young man with more problems. 
at time, as time went by, Bill kept his word. He tried desperately to be a good student. He obeyed the rules, and he stopped by Torrey's office each day, if only to say hello. Days became weeks, and weeks rolled into months, and small improvements were made here and there. One day, Bill burst into Troy's office with his face aglow and announced he'd become a Christian. They all rejoiced together. Bill became a model student. He later graduated with his doctorate degree and, after a brief pastoral ministry, returned as a faculty member. Soon afterwards, he assumed the post of assistant superintendent of the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. After teaching at the Institute for several years, Newell devoted his time to an international teaching ministry. This hymn was written by William Noel. The opening words of the hymn at Calvary became more meaningful as the story behind the hymn is understood. One day in 1895, Noel was sitting in his classroom during a planning period. He began to pin a world picture in the form of a poem describing his testimony. His original words were pinned on the back of a used envelope. Dr. Newell gave a freshly written words to Dr. Tower, head of the music department, and he asked him to see if he could write the music for them. Dr. Towner had the next period free, so he sat down at the vacant piano room and started writing a tune for his friend's lyrics. An hour later, the bell rang again, and the two saw each other in the hall again. Dr. Towner said, Dr. Newell, that he just had written the words to the, for the music, and the two friends went to the practice room where the piano was and sat down at the piano and sang the new creation together. Dr. Towner said, I feel that it could be the best song that either, either of us will ever write. At the suggestion of Dwight L. Moody, Newell went on to conduct Bible classes at not only Chicago, but also other great American and Canadian cities, such as Detroit, Michigan, Toronto, Ontario, and St. Louis, Missouri. Their success led him to extensive writings, which resulted in the publication of various study guides on different books of the Old Testament, as well as expositions on the New Testament books of Romans, Hebrews, and Revelation. Following his retirement in 1910, he moved to Leesburg, Florida, where he ministered with the Presbyterian Church prior to his death at Deland, Florida, on April 1, 1956. The song reminds us of what Jesus did through his death. It teaches that Jesus died for our sins on Calvary. Years of I spent in vanity and pride. Caring not, my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. When we choose to live in sin, we spend our time in vanity and pride, as we read in Titus 3.3. 3. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. In that condition we may not care. But the death of Jesus Christ on the cross had been 
prophesied in the Old Testament as part of God's plan to redeem mankind. As written in Isaiah 53:10 and 11, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the trifle of his soul and shall be satisfied by the knowledge shall my righteousness ser- shall my righteous servant justify me for he shall bear their iniquities jesus died not just for the whole world in aggregate but for each one of us as individuals as we read in first timothy 1:15 this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that christ jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom i am chief Next, our song teaches us that we must turn to Calvary to receive salvation. By God's word, at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned, till my guilty soul employed turned to Calvary. It's by God's word that we learn what sin is. We find it in Romans 7, 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except that the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. When we come to realize that we are guilty sinners, we should tremble. But trembling is not enough. The sinner must turn to Calvary for cleansing, just as the prodigal son came to himself and turn back to his father, as found in Luke fifteen seventeen through 21. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to, and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Next we learn that the redeemed can sing of Calvary. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly owe him, own him as my king. He, my raptured soul, can only sing of Calvary. To become a true disciple of Jesus, we must give him everything by denying self and taking up the cross, as told to us in Matthew sixteen twenty four. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. In doing this, we acknowledge him as our king, as written in 1 Timothy six, fourteen through 16 Thou shalt keep this commandment without spot, unbreakable, 
until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which in his time he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings, Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach upon, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom honor and power and everlasting. Amen. Once we have been thus saved, our raptured souls can sing of Calvary in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And we read in Hebrews thirteen fifteen, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. As we continue, we see that God's love and grace were shown to us at Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. It was God's love that drew salvation's plan. Read in Romans 5, 6-11. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commandeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also find joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. It was God's grace that brought it down to man, as told in Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us to set in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is, that in the ages to come he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace, his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Thus God spanned the mighty gulf between himself and sinful man by offering redemption through the blood of Christ, written in Ephesians 1, 3-7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. 
the chorus is a refrain of joy at the blessing to be found in Christ through his death. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Calvary, meaning place of the skull, is a place that everyone has heard of through thousands of, of years at the Holy Land, where tourists visit each year. By the significance of the events that took place on this hill nearly 2,000 years ago are often not truly realized by many of those who merely view its location. At Calvary, focuses our attention on the wondrous mercy and grace that Christ demonstrated through his death on the cross. The hymn exalts our Lord for conquering sin and death and bringing salvation to all who will accept him as Redeemer. The mighty gulf between God and man was bridged with Christ's sacrificial atonement at Calvary, and thus the plan for regeneration of the souls of man. How wonderful, Linda. We are in the mess of being lost because of our own sin the sin by our own choice. And let's be honest, in the lost condition, we loved our sin. This is called our sin nature. The love of sin keeps us from Christ and his love for us. This all-powerful, holy God created all of his creation for us. This beautiful planet, the sun, the moon, the stars. A creation that no one could see the end of. And he did it for us. It was perfect. God himself said it was good. A place where God and man could convene and fellowship together. How long this perfection lasted, we don't know. But it had to be wonderful. God, our creator, walking in fellowship in a perfect garden. This was God's plan for man. But then Satan entered the picture. He was cunning and deceptive. God says his language was that of lying. He was very persuasive. And his objective was to draw man away from God and with him by any means just as he had done with third of the heavenly angels. And it worked, first with Eve, then with Adam, and then the rest of us. Now we find ourselves lost and separated from God because of our sin nature. But God still has a wonderful plan for our life and eternity. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. How remarkable. Isn't that amazing? He suffered, bled, and died a death of agony. There on the cross of torture, agony, and death, he took upon himself for our sin. There he suffered our deserved punishment and the consequences of our sin that caused our separation from our loving God. And it was nothing we did because of his love for us. He did this. There was 
There was, nor is there anything now we can do to remedy this separation of God. Only a God that spoke the existence of everything with his word could do such a thing. Why? Why would he do that? Well, the Bible has an answer. In John three sixteen through 18, it says, For God so loved the world, that's us, that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus, that whosoever, that you, believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world, condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him. Whosoever believes in him will not be condemned. But whosoever does not believe has already been condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So the only thing that keeps us from God is our willingness to believe. What keeps us from believing? When one sees and realizes what God has done for us, under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, we realize we're guilty of sin. Who can know all that God has done and not be brokenhearted for what he has done against that powerful, wonderful, loving God? It causes a change in us. We're sorry for our sins. We don't want to continue in our sins. We're motivated by God's love to let him take charge of our life, turn away from our willful sin. Some just love their sin way too much. They don't want to believe because they would have to turn from their sin. These folks have rejected God's plan of salvation for them, and they're damned to hell, a place of eternal torment and torture where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth, and there's no rest, neither day or night. No hope, eternal separation for God, left only with a memory of their sin, their guilt, and their shame. Oh, but for those of us alive and listening here today, there's hope. You could turn your eyes on Jesus. You can have faith in him. You could trust him right now today. What does your heart say to you today? Is your conscience pulling on you now for what you're doing in your life today? That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Let him have his way with you right now. Believe in him and trust him and him alone for your salvation. Are you willing to turn from your sin and trust him right now? Now let's hear Forgiven do at Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. 
God's word at last my sin I learned Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned Till my guilty soul in pouring turned To Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me There my burdens all found liberty at salvation's plan Oh, the grace that brought it down to man Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me There my burden soul found liberty at Thank you so much for listening today to our podcast. We trust it was a blessing for you. It makes our day when we hear that someone was blessed by our podcast and music. We'd love to get an email from you. Just send it to Glenn, G-L-E-N-N dot Dawson, D-A-W-S-O-N, at G-L-E-N-N Dawson, D-A-W-S-O-N-E-A dot com. You can find all our information on our website. That's over at www.glendawsonea.com. In addition to our email, you can find information about our Facebook page and Twitter information. You can also find links to an index of all our podcasts and a link to our music on YouTube. We do hope so much you will send your friends and family over to our website to sign up for our newsletter. By signing up, they can win a CD or USB drive with our songs on it. We hope you will enjoy those. And remember now, we love love you all. God God be be with with you. you. And And bye bye for now. now.